ETL Echo and Friends present The Winter Wonderfix Collaboration, a series of festive one-shots and podfics. Arctic Wolf by Sodam Rad It took half a paragraph for Draco to realise he hadn't registered a single word he'd read. His eyes were moving, the words were flowing, his attention was elsewhere. Up in the sky somewhere, on the back of his broom, looking down at a world so much smaller than him. Balancing on the hind legs of his chair, one hand clutched around the wood, Draco glanced over at his desk partner. Want to take laps around the pitch? Victor didn't reply. His attention was fixed on a point behind Draco's shoulder. Hello? Draco righted his chair with a thump, waving a hand in front of Victor's eyes. When he didn't budge, he landed a swift kick on Victor's shin. Victor started, black eyes narrowing. What? Draco spun around. A mousy girl sat behind them, alone, garbed in a Hogwarts uniform, the red and gold one. Her hair shoved in a fuzzy ball on top of her head, manic curls poking out every which way. Her? Draco deadpanned. Really? I like her focus. Victor said, eyeing her again. A girl who knows what she wants and works for it. I know what I want, mate. Let's go riding. Victor wasn't even listening. Look at her. She actually cares about what she is doing. A chessboard of books was laid out before her. Her eyes flicked from one to another, fingers working her quill furiously across the lineless notebook. Since when are you interested in bookish types? I'm not, but she has fire, I can tell. Right, well. He wasn't sure what Victor saw in the girl, frankly, but if they weren't going flying, he may as well have some fun. Hey, you there. Hermione was crossing a T on her parchment when a rough, outdoor voice shattered the padded silence of the library. She jumped, slashing an inky line through her precious notes. Hermione's eyes narrowed at the offending table, a rebuke on the tip of her tongue. Two Durmstrang boys stared back at her. Not just any Durmstrang boys, she realised, skin prickling, Draco Malfoy and Victor Crumb. Why were they looking at her like that? Victor seemed mortified and Draco looked mean. He's a blood supremacist, you know, Pavati's voice echoed through her ears. Wealthier than everyone in our class combined, heard his family hate smuggleborns. She pointed a finger at her chest and mouthed me. Draco nodded, smiling at her, but it wasn't a pleasant smile. It reminded her of when Crookshanks used to catch a whiff of scabbers in the dorms. What could he possibly want with her? Join us for a second, Draco asked in perfect posh English. She considered ignoring him, but knew she'd regret it later. No matter what Pavati had to say, two attractive boys were calling her over to speak to them, one of whom was participating in the Triwizard Tournament, and Hermione's curiosity was a ravenous thing, never quite satisfied. Draco pulled out the chair beside him and patted the seat. Sit down. It wasn't a question. Hermione didn't sit. Yes? A flicker of amusement passed over his cold eyes. Uh... What's your name? Hermione Granger. You? Draco smirked, aware she was feigning ignorance. I see through you. Hermione could practically hear Draco's thoughts. You can't get under my skin. Draco Malfoy. He told her breezily. This is Victor Crumb. Pleasure, she said, though it sounded anything but. Do you need help with something? Draco looked at Victor. Victor glared at Draco. After an awkward lapse of silence, Victor cleared his throat. Forgive me, he said in accented English, 
but the red and gold means Gryffindor, yes? She frowned, running her fingers down her tie. Yes, I am a Gryffindor. He brushed a beefy hand through his hair, easily double the size of her own. I thought Ravenclaw read a lot. Then I see you, your head in book. He had gathered in her cheeks. He'd noticed her. When had he been watching? Oh no. What might she have looked like? What did she look like now? Was her half-arsed ponytail better than letting her hair free? Would it be too obvious to adjust it now? Draco's voice broke through her escalating panic. Say, which house do you think Victor would have been sorted into? She frowned at the suggestive tone in his voice, momentarily distracted. I hardly know him well enough to judge. Chance a guess? She ran her eyes across Victor's rugged shoulders. Red suited him, bringing out the olive tones of his skin and embellishing his dark hair. Bold, stern-looking eyebrows, but kind eyes, judgment-free. And there was something endearing about the way he blushed, as if he wasn't a household name in the wizarding world. She softened. He'd have made a fine Gryffindor. Hear that, Crumb? A fine Gryffindor. Draco wagged his pale brows. And how about me? Slytherin, she replied without having to think about it. Correct me if I'm wrong, Hermione, but that sounded disdainful. Is there something wrong with Slytherin House? He challenged, the corners of his lips curling into a taunting grin. My parents were Slytherins, in fact, and their parents before that. You asked me a question and I responded. Your interpretation of my tone is purely subjective. Unlike Victor, Draco Malfoy looked odd in red. His Slytherin legacy made perfect sense. Cool tones, green, silvers. She could see him in her rival house robes. But bold red against his pale features was oxymoronic. It gave him warmth where she sensed none, a hint of nobility that suited his accent and vocabulary, but was entirely hollow in the face of his arrogance. There wasn't a chivalrous bone in that pompous body. There you are, Hermione. Ron sauntered down the aisle, his cloak hanging off his shoulder, uniform tie gaping loose. He froze when he saw the Durmstrang boys. Am I interrupting something? Not at all. She headed back to her table to gather her books. Only getting to know one another. She peeked over her shoulder. While Ron was busy mooning over Crumb, Draco smiled back at her, his gaze unwavering. She imagined an arctic wolf on the prowl, sharp canines and calculated eyes. A shiver slithered down her spine. She sent him a firm glare before dragging Ron out of the library. Victor was right, not that he would ever hear it from Draco, but Hermione Granger had fire in her. Though Draco had failed to notice her upon his arrival, she was the only person he searched for in the crowded spaces of Hogwarts anymore. Instead of spending hours in the Quidditch pitch, he found himself at the library, always at a table with a view of her, even if she was just a blob of curls in his periphery. Victor always tagged along, also harbouring a crush. Crush. Such a juvenile word. But there was something there. Hermione wasn't the most remarkable person at her school, but Draco considered that an advantage. Already, Crumb had staked his interest in her, and Draco suspected that ginger wanker too, who always gawked at her when she wasn't looking. If she'd been the overly beautiful sort, like that Vila girl from Beaubatons, Fleur, what's it, there would be no keeping her admirers at bay. Draco liked Hermione Granger exactly as she was. Unremarkable, stubborn, irate. The more he watched her nibble her quill, or wrestle her untamable hair into shape, the wilder his curiosity became. 
Of the three of them, Crumb stood the best chance. While Draco was many things, confident, handsome, cunning, he wasn't an idiot. Crumb was a do-gooder, starter pack on pepper-up potion, Quidditch star, Durmstrang champion, and an irritatingly good person. Boring. Besides, didn't nice blokes finish last? Draco was certainly no nice bloke. What Crumb was lacking was an edge. Hermione seemed like the kind of girl who'd want a nice bloke. Someone to carry her books and walk her to class, and plan to kiss on her head when they parted ways. But Draco knew the girls who seemed to like nice boys often harboured secret desires for boys like him. Especially when their tongues were like Hermione's, razor-sharp and running red. The first time Draco visited the library alone, ducking Victor's notice, he found Hermione at her usual table, basked in afternoon light, sunshine dipping that single curl that contoured her face in gold. She twirled it around and around her quill, lost in the mountain of words beneath her. It took three heartbeats for Draco to make a decision. Hello, Hermione, he said, taking a seat at her table. She looked up, eyes dulling when she saw him. Yes, Draco? Mind if I sit here? It's a communal space, she shrugged, making no effort to move her things. He turned one of her books around. Potions? Ever tried polyjuice? She smirked. In second. You're lying. She snatched her book back. You can ask Ronald or Harry if you don't believe me. He grimaced at the mention of the ginger wanker. They teach polyjuice in second year here. No, she drawled as if he were obtuse. I brewed it on my own time. Why do I get the feeling you were doing something you shouldn't? He grinned. Tell me more. Her face filled with colour, sweet pink diffusing into telling freckled red. He resisted the urge to find out whether her skin was as warm as it looked. There were disturbing attacks against muggle-born students, and we used it to investigate. She shot him an odd look. In second year? Yes, I said that. And did you? Did I what? Find the culprit. We did. She said no more. Draco racked his brain for something to say, but came up blank. Deflated, he braced his hand against the table to leave, and just as she looked up from her notebook, asking gingerly, are you interested in potions? There was something about Draco Malfoy. It started the day they talked about polyjuice. She soon discovered that he was not only avidly interested in potions, but was also good at them. Flipping through her recipe book, he highlighted his most successful brews and told her something life-altering, stop following the rules. Hermione had scoffed. Hadn't he listened to her polyjuice story? but he'd only shot her an amused look and started scratching out words in her textbook. Don't chop, slice. Stirring the brew for 60 minutes was too long. 53 tops, and yes, it made a difference. In return, Hermione made a copy of her notes from her extracurricular studies and gave them to him. Ways in which he might make his drafts last longer, and where to locate the most potent leaping toadstools should he brave a visit to the Forbidden Forest. During meals, her eyes often wandered to him, his pale hair a glowing beacon of light on the other end of the room. Crumb sat with him, but his novelty had fizzled out quickly after his doting fans started violating library protocol. She hardly glimpsed at their resident Quidditch star anymore. Not like the others did, Harry and Ron and Seamus and Dean. There was a regal air about Draco. In red, military-cut robes, form-fitting and soft to the touch, he looked like a prince one who led his army to victory with strategy and cunning, and it made her hot and bothered just to think about it. Hermione's staring at Draco Malfoy again, Ron announced bitterly loud enough for everyone in the vicinity to hear. Her ears burned. I beg your pardon? 
I'm not blind, he snapped. I see the way you look at him. And how's that any of your business, Ronald? She hissed, lowering her voice for a semblance of privacy. He's a Malfoy, Hermione. He hates people like you. A lump formed in the back of her throat. And what does that mean, people like me? Ron didn't reply. His remorseless eyes glued firmly to hers. Harry cleared his throat, looking back and forth between them. Unable to stand her housemate's scrutiny, she hopped over the bench and bolted from the great hall. Draco stood, his attention fixed on Hermione's face as she ran from the room. A muscle clenched in his jaw as he looked at the Gryffindor table. Ginger Wanker glared daggers at her retreating back, while Celebrity Potter fussed with his spectacles as if they held the answers to his life's problems. A meaty hand clapped around his wrist when Draco tried to follow her, yanking him back down to the bench. Victor's dark eyes came into focus. What are you doing, Malfoy? He tugged his arm free, scowling. Don't know what you're bloody on about. I saw her first. It's finders keepers now, Draco asked, imagining Hermione's reaction if she'd heard him say that. Physical violence would ensue, Draco had no doubt about it. Hermione was all fire, it almost made him smile. You're supposed to be my friend. And you're supposed to be mine. Draco's jaw clamped shut, his heartbeat roaring in his ears. Victor was his friend. Draco shouldn't feel so much anger over this, but logic seemed like a faraway thing, distorted behind a barrel of distilled jealousy. The noise at the table came to a hush. He shot the Slytherins on the opposite side of the feast his most menacing glower, scattering most of their praying eyes elsewhere. Still, Draco rose to his feet. We can discuss this outside. They entered the corridor, pausing in front of a poorly lit tapestry depicting a bloody goblin battle. An irate ghost grimaced at them and sulked away mumbling about privacy and Durmstrang's total disregard for it. I thought you called her over that day at the library to encourage me to talk to her. Now you're inseparable. Victor accused, speaking in Russian because he knew it better and was too pent up to yell at Draco in English. Responding in perfect Russian, Draco said, I did at first, but then I got to know her. He tugged his fingers through his hair, unable to stand still. Just let me have this one. Why should I? Why should you? Draco shook his head. Is Star Seeker not enough? Try was a champion? You can have anyone you want. I only want her. What makes her so special, besides the fact I wanted her first? You're really asking me that? Draco raised a brow. Were you not the one who spoke about her fire? She's so much more than that. If you knew how her mind worked... I suppose you wouldn't care as much, but she's a whiz with potions. Brewed polyjuice in second. Never cared much for freckles or uncombed hair, but now... Victor swallowed, watching Draco oddly. Never say I am not a good fucking friend. Relief swept over him in tides, unwinding the tension in his shoulders. It wasn't like Victor to give up, but who was Draco to question his do-gooder housemate? Draco was made of pettier stuff than most people. He nodded, considered thanking him or making some brotherly gesture, but thought better of it and left in search of Hermione. Hermione sat at the foot of the stairs to the astronomy tower. Three birds danced circles around her. She'd conjured them as a distraction, but they were barely visible beneath her sheen of tears, mere blobs of ink floating over the backdrop of bone-grey castle walls, echoing a ruckus down the cavernous corridor. People like you, blasted Ron and his ignorance. 
He knew how she felt when people segregated her because of her family, yet he had no problem lashing verbal wounds to drive his point. Footsteps echoed down the corridor, just palpable over the squeaky birds. She rushed to wipe the tears from her eyes, wondering if she had time to cast a disillusionment charm. But it was too late. Hermione. Draco's voice was thick with concern. What's wrong? He sat beside her, knocking his knee into hers. He smelled like cold air and peppermint hot chocolate. It's nothing. She wished he'd leave her alone. It was one thing for Harry and Ron to see her crying. They'd known her since she was eleven. But Draco Malfoy? Did that ginger wanker say something to you? Despite herself, she released a snotty breath of laughter. He's the annoying little brother I never wanted. He snorted. I highly doubt he considers himself your brother. They fell into silence. Her manic birds flew around the room, swooping over one another, bullying each other off the marble ledges. Draco sat so close they were almost touching. The sleeve of his uniform hovered inches from her arm. If she tilted her head, she could lean on his shoulder, feel the wool beneath her cheek, drown herself in his scent. He asked carefully, Is there anything I can do? Tell me that you don't care that I'm muggle-born. She shook her head. No, thank you. He stood. This might be rotten timing, but the Yule Bull is coming up, and I was wondering if you want to be my date. The toe of his shiny black boot kicked up dust from the rough-hewn stones. Long, slender fingers clasped and unclasped at his front. Platinum rings catching the dim torchlight. Hermione hadn't seen him this nervous before. An achy sensation bloomed at the hollow beneath her ribs. Instead of jumping at the chance like she wanted to, she blurted out, I'm Muggleborn. He blanched. A fresh wave of tears formed in her eyes. She twisted her fingers into a fist, fingernails digging into her palms. Knew it. With a harsh slash of her wand, the birds burst into feathers, pop, 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 and disappeared from sight. Silence ensued. Does the office still stand? She asked in one breath, her voice still shaking, the vulnerability undisguisable. Draco looked away, a muscle pulsing in his jaw. Right. She knocked his shoulder on her way out. Victor shot Draco an odd look when he appeared at the ball solo, but otherwise focused on his own date. A pretty girl from Beaubatons in a peony pink dress. Technically, Draco could have told Victor he'd changed his mind about Hermione. Victor wouldn't care about her blood status. His family was surprisingly nonchalant when it came to pedigree. But a niggling voice in the back of his mind bristled at the thought of Hermione with someone else. The Great Hall was a loud and glittery affair. Enchantment upon enchantment stockpiled to transform the overindulgent school cafeteria into a remarkable ballroom. Holiday treats were abundant, stacked in floating trays and displayed as centrepieces across the round tables in the room. The buttery scent of baked goods wafted in the air, mingled with the acidic twang of mulled wine. An orchestra performed classical music as guests filed in, arm in arm, mouths hanging ajar as they took in the splendour of it all. Draco was part surprised and part relieved to find Ginger Wanker with a girl from his class, not Hermione. He did a double take when he saw Harry Potter with the same girl, and then realised they were twins. His initial thought had been Polyjuice, and soon after, all he could think about was her. 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 His gut twisted, recalling the tremor in her voice when she told him she was a mud muggle-born. At first, he'd been horrified. If his father had found out he'd been spending time with a mud muggle-born, which he'd revolt. 
There would be no end to Lucius Malfoy's lecturing, scolding, belittling, and then he'd write to Karkaroff to demand why their students were allowed to frolic with scum in the first place. It would be a nightmare. Draco had long learned to keep his father and his monumental expectations at arm's length. But watching Hermione run off in tears because of him made Draco feel sick. He had no intention of marrying her. Why would his father need to find out? And since when were mud- Muggleborns brilliant and ambitious and... Hermione entered the room in a periwinkle gown. Beautiful. Draco took stock of her curls, tamed and pulled out of her face. He saw the time she'd taken to style them, the diamond shimmering in her ears, the soft silhouette of her dress floating over the marble floor like mist. She took up every inch of his vision, the wild, beautiful magic around them dimming in comparison, a memory he wished to bottle up and uncork during his lonely nights at Durmstrang. Their eyes met and she shot him a feral glower. Draco's skin crawled with shame, even as his heart pounded, following her incendiary eyes. He'd thought her unremarkable when they'd first met, incapable of attracting attention. Tonight, he admitted defeat. Crumb did a double take when Hermione passed him, a flash of longing in his eyes that made Draco's throat tighten. Ginger Wanker dropped his punch on his date's shoe, splattering purple everywhere. One of her classmates approached her for a dance. Draco watched Hermione manoeuvre the dance floor, passed from one set of arms to another all evening. Her smile, formidable, her eyes striking. All the while he imagined himself by her side, his mouth sour with envy. Though Hermione was doing an exceptional job of feigning happiness, she felt like a paltry party favour, one of those roses captured in ice, embellishing a cocktail, a pretty thing to fawn over as if the life was slowly sucked out of her. Tired of putting up a front, Hermione slipped out of the great hall and into the courtyard. It was snowing outside, the navy night split apart by wet crystals. She stretched out her arm, capturing dozens of them in the heat of her palm. Music reached her ears, muffled laughter, a cluster of applause. She wrapped her arms around herself, teeth chattering, eyes shut, enduring the frost on her bare skin. She was real, she reminded herself, and she had feelings, and she was allowed to admit that her feelings were hurt. She didn't always have to be brave or strong. Chilled to the bone, she finally reached for her wand to perform a warming spell, when an oversized coat fell heavy on her shoulders. Hermione turned, heart in her throat. Draco stood behind her, head tilted curiously, his eyes soft. She frowned at the sight of him. Utterly handsome, a lazy curl falling methodically over his brow, his red uniform standing out starkly against the snowscape like a nutcracker prince in a fairy tale. What are you doing here? She asked, tempted to shove the coat to the ground, but it was soft and warm and she was hopelessly hopeful. I owe you an apology. His breath formed a cloud in the air. You were the most beautiful person in the room tonight. So, because I'm visually appealing to you, I deserve an apology. And if I were the same girl you rejected in the corridor the other day, what then? You are that girl. He bore a timid smirk. Exactly, I'm still her. The muggle-born witch you deem beneath you, only in a pretty dress. All traces of amusement left his face. You must understand, M muggle-borns have been a topic of contention in my life since childhood. I never imagined meeting one like you. Hermione fumed. I know who you are, Draco Malfoy. Cocky grins and cold eyes. You consider yourself a rebel among your classmates. Unlike a noble Victor Crumb, 
You're the wolf who lurks in the shadows, luring fair maidens to their doom. Is that right? His eyes glittered. At least, she resumed. It's who you want to be, but when forced to face your fears, you run. You've never met a muggle-born witch. Fine. They've taught you to fear us, to loathe us. I understand perfectly. But since when does the big bad wolf cower so easily? You're a fraud. He bowed his head. I'm here, aren't I? And am I the evil witch who intends to sully your mind? She stared him down bravely, her gaze layered with challenge. Did you make the right decision turning me away? He stepped forward, closing the foot of space between them, swallowing her criticism. No, I regretted it immediately. His placidity made her pause. In a low voice, she asked, Are you afraid of me? His eyes were silver beneath the light of the moon. Terrified. He admitted, then smiled. A smile so warm and raw, she felt her icy walls melt to nothing. She stepped into him, curling her hand around his waist. The leather cross-strap of his uniform dug into her ribcage. He was breathing deeply, their eyes locked as they stood nose to nose, hot breath mingling in the winter air. Draco thought his heart would explode. There was something fundamentally warm about Hermione, even when she was yelling at him. She embodied everything he shouldn't want. Besides the blood status, she was a good girl, one who cared about school, had kind eyes, and was offering him a second chance. Slipping his hand from his pocket, he pressed his palm into the curve of her rosy cheek. Registering her cold skin, Draco gathered her into his arms, trapping her between his cloak and his body. For a moment, everything went still, all but the snow falling over the ground, glinting like glass as it settled into a fine white layer. You could hear a pin drop. She lifted her chin, just slightly, and Draco collided into her like gravity, bruising an inevitable and undeniable and all sensation. The polarising surfaces of her drove him mad. The hot twist of her tongue, the icy swell of her cheek, the shape of her curls slipping through the gaps of his fingers the rough fabric of her dress crested with sparkles that scratched his palm. I'm sorry, he said between their mouths, his whisper fogging in the wind. She clutched the back of his neck, sweet frigid fingers sliding beneath the collar of his shirt. I forgive you. Draco pinned her against the nearest stone pillar, sampling every line of her exposed skin. He kissed her again and again, melting into her like honey. The sweep of her neck and the dip of her cupid's bow the hollow beneath her jaw, and her flushed, freckled cheeks. She was liquid gold in his arms, glowing brighter touch after touch. Concealed beyond the weeping clouds, a constellation of stars winked back at them. Draco thanked each one for lending him courage to make things right. Teary-eyed, Hermione refused to unwind her arms from around Draco's neck. His face was nestled in her shoulder, mouth spread, inhaling her where he'd left a trail of love bites. Write me, he murmured against her skin. I will, she wiped her eyes. I wish you didn't have to go. He brushed his thumb across her cheek. I'll come back for you, he promised. Hermione knew dozens of obstacles lay between them, from his family to imminent darkness to a lifetime of pure-blood prejudice. Yet she was hopelessly hopeful that their paths would cross again. There was something about Draco Malfoy. Thank you for listening to Winter Wonderfix. If you'd like to stay up to date for other chapters and stories from Etail Echo, you can follow us on TikTok, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Spotify. 
at etl.echo.audiobooks. ETL Echo. Echoing tales of enemies to lovers.